1: Well, Brad Aerosmith, uh, one of the great songs of the 1990s. But what people don't know is that it was recorded by the late, great Dolly Parton in the 80s. I don't want to miss a thing just with that with that country twang. You know, she sang nine to five. She starred in that film with Gary, with not Gary Coleman, I think his father, Dabney Coleman. But what a great song and, and how apropos that uh, that anthem from the movie Armageddon, the great summer blockbuster, is uh is our lead in here today. This is David Prittham and Brad Sheaf. Uh, we are back here, and uh as always, we mean we mean business. Um, you can learn more about our show on our website, ipfrequently.com, because we both do, and you can follow us on all social media platforms, literally each and every one. I noticed that a lot of people have um sort of backed away from some of the more discreet Russian social media sites, but not us. If you enter at IP underscore frequently anywhere, whether it be Instagram or some of the dark web, you will find our faces and uh, be able to chat directly with us. Remember to subscribe, rate, review, and recommend us to other folks wherever you get your podcast. And especially Brad, we want to shout out today to the good folks at the Salem podcast network. Next, uh, Brad, we, we start every week with the business report. And this is where those people out there who are running a small business, a medium-sized enterprise, a large business, a household, perhaps, um, this is where you can listen to this part of the show, and we'll give you the two big news items of the week that uh, you need to uh, know about. Brad, of course, the studio audience today, everyone in front of them has a double- espresso and a shot of Bailey's next to them. And you may be asking why do they have these lovely drinks in front of them? And I can tell you why, Brad, because this week we're giving a lot of updates uh, across the board pretty much updates on stories that we have reported on in the past, including the two big news items of the week. Um, and so we think people are going to need the espresso and the Bailey's uh, the combination. We'll keep refilling those. So of course you're not going to just have one shot of Bailey's to get you through this show um, as we go through these updates so that people can stay aware. And we're starting with health updates because obviously one of the places you come to for your nutritional uh Parameters or guidelines is this show because obviously we know uh, a lot about that very subject. Indeed, yeah. And this, uh, this week, we be. yeah. And this week, Brad. Of course, uh, you and I are on the cutting edge of all this stuff. And uh, this week, we saw the big European Journal of uh, Preventative Cardiology issue its new report on what foods to consume and what yeah. foods not to consume. And I know you've been waiting for this for what about six months now? Well, at least. What month is this? I think, I think, you know, it's uh, October actually.
0: Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. At least six months. Mm -hmm.
1: So listen, uh, this week they came out and they talked about the foods you shouldn't, shouldn't have. And once again, you and I are on the cutting edge of this stuff because uh, the uh, association said that up to three, Ground coffees daily, and that can be a latte and espresso. It can be a double latte. Uh, are going to help people uh, live longer. They're linked to longer life and a lower risk of heart problems. Uh, ground coffee is the uh, is linked to the biggest boost in um, longevity, and uh, it's now official, Brad. It, if they would just say also that uh, you could have uh, English muffins with bacon and. Uh, maybe some cheddar cheese, uh, we would be in a uh, so-called fat city, but we are now blessed. We are now uh, basically covered by this European journal of preventative cardiology report. And again, that's studied, as you know, over half a million uh, people in the UK.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, there you half go, but I mean, I, listen, I, I guess whole bean coffee is out though, right? I mean, it has to be ground coffee. You can't just drop the beans in hot water and drink it.
1: Oh, you could, you could swallow the beans. There, there is a lot, there are a lot of nutrients in those beans, but the uh, European Journal, the EGPC, as you and I know them, um, studied all different ways that the Brits would consume their coffee, whether it be instant, whether it be uh, uh, ground, uh, whether they be just chewing on the beans going down the street. Um, and uh, this is this is what they came up with. And and listen, that is a, that is good news news for you and I, as we obviously do enjoy uh, a, a coffee or two, sometimes a latte and uh, usually accompanied by some sort of a a shot, whether it be Baileys or tequila or or
0: brandy. Yeah, I I have not ever put tequila in my coffee, nor do I think I ever would. But as you know, buddy, I'm a huge Baileys in the coffee guy. That's the way to do it. Um, I've also tried bourbon cream. I suggest that as well. That is likewise delightful. I guess my only question for you, pal, is as you know, in the UK, they drive on the wrong side of the road. Does that have any impact on the overall outcome of the study? Like, do we have to drink our coffee driving down the wrong side of the road in order to see the same level of benefit?
1: It doesn't say anything about where you consume the coffee, just the type of coffee you consume. And it does say that they studied half a million um, Britons and I guess about 43,000 of them develop some form of cardiovascular disease. And of those, most of them weren't drinking three ground coffees a day. Um, and the folks that uh, drank the coffee were pretty much insulated from any of this. Uh, there were about 40,000 people who did die in car accidents unrelated to the coffee. Um, but, you know, that's that I think that's a different study that we'll have to get to
0: at a different time. Well, I mean, they're on the wrong side of the road. I'm surprised more than 40,000 didn't die. I mean, that is what happens. Yeah,
1: no, that's uh, exactly right. So we'll keep an eye on this. And of course, big news for you and I. and, 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 you know, we may want to push the limit and start doubling up, right? Because if you can have three and live a little bit longer, imagine what six coffees a day could do.
0: Yeah, I mean, if some is good, more is better. But if you had six coffees a day, then you achieve near vampire status. You can just live forever. I mean, imagine the number of coffees that White Bill must have. Dozens. In order to survive as long as he has
1: god bless him he looks like he's been dipped in formaldehyde for a reason next brad of course uh, another update And this is an update program where we're providing all sorts of updates and we start with a nutrition update uh we talked about coffee already next of course this week is the week that the big foie guah ban was set to go into place in uh the big uh, new york city the big apple yeah. local law 202 which barred or banned. It says barred in the script. Mm-hmm. So I'll read that. The sale mm-hmm. of foie gras in Manhattan and mm-hmm. the, uh, the, all the five boroughs was set to um, uh, was set to go into place, but a judge, as you know, Judge um, Michelle Sweeting, has stepped in and said, "Ah, uh, 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 not so fast," uh, and has stayed the uh, the uh, enforcement of that law pending an appeal uh, by a bunch of farmers who are killing these ducks and taking their livers. Um, and so the good news, Brad, is for your next trip to the city, which I believe is coming up soon, you'll be able to enjoy some nice seared foie, probably with uh, some, some sweetbreads, maybe some blood pudding perhaps, and uh, some nice biscuits and cream. Um, this isn't to say this is permanent, but there'll be a trial on the merits where the ducks will get to, appeal. Um, but uh, for now, uh, the city will still be selling the lovely uh, foie gras.
0: So foie gras, foie gras, foie gras, foie gras. Everybody say it with me in the studio audience. Foie gras. There you go. Foie-gois. Foie-gois. That's made from a duck's liver, you're telling me. Correct. Hmm. And how many ducks do you need to make, you know, one decent portion of foie?
1: Well, it depends on your definition of decent, because some people would say six or seven livers are required for that. Others would not, but generally, there's a one to one ratio between a
0: piece of foie and a duck. Ah, okay. So, I mean, you got to off a duck to get yourself a nice, you know, dose of foie. How do you eat that stuff, buddy? What I mean, do you do you cut it with a knife? I mean, how does that work? Well,
1: I mean, I from what I understand. Mm -hmm. um based on some research you could either cut it with a knife it could be seared right or it could be it could be um cold and you cut it with a knife you put it on like a biscuit or a cracker or an oreo or whatever do you
0: do anything to it do they like do you grind it and season it or do you just like carve out a duck's liver throw it on a plate say hey there you go we call that foie
1: Foie. yeah i'm pretty sure that it's just the liver now there is a there is a moose version of this where i believe there's some grinding involved
0: oh oh you're not saying a moose liver You're saying they they moose the duck liver. Yeah, I was going to say that's. I imagine that you could really get it done if you had a moose's liver on your plate. Although getting the liver out of the moose, a much higher risk than with a duck. Is there any chance that you can combine some things here to get more efficiencies that might appease the good lawmakers in New York? So, for instance, if you took out the duck's liver and then sent that duck down to the Chinese restaurant to become Peking duck, if you view it through that lens, that the whole foie thing becomes you know, part of a larger good.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're definitely getting the most out of that duck, especially if you get the duck sauce, because you don't hear people talk about that enough. But I mean, I think that's a great idea. But uh, listen, and there are other things going on too. other updates to give for the borough of uh, Manhattan and the greater city of New York, the city that never sleeps. The lobster ban that we talked about a while ago, remember the lobster ban because of the uh, pain and uh, suffering that, uh, you know, uh, these uh, lobsters were suffering. Yeah, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, that that is now back on not only in the UK where it's been banned and barred, but also in uh, in the great city of New York where they're trying to ban the sale of lobsters. You know, I assume the lobsters will go for some sort of injunctive relief like the ducks. Uh, but now you're seeing more and more of these laws uh, on the books, including a new attempt to force fast food restaurants to warn each and every patron of the uh, uh, dangers of the contents of their food. So I suppose, It would be almost like a planned parenthood like intervention for someone trying to buy a big mac where you have to say listen listen here are some issues you have and you just read from a script right like biden at a press conference and uh and and so that's what the borough of manhattan is becoming my friend it's becoming sort of this testing ground for uh you know all of these extreme uh people who uh don't want to have foie gras and
0: lobster and
1: big macs uh, uh available to us all
0: i see economies of scale here for instance since you're no longer killing the lobsters, you can, ha- you can post them up outside of the fast food restaurants with little sandwich boards on. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It just yeah, yeah. has the warnings about the fast food. So now, I mean, it, because you run the risk of having lobsters take over Manhattan. They'll just come right up out of the Hudson and storm Manhattan. But if you give them something to do, uh, then they're more likely to cooperate with the whole process. And so, I, again, I think if you manage the duck situation well, you get an economy of scale there. If you manage the lobster situation well, you get an economy of scale there. And that's what we're all about, buddy. That's basically the business minute right there. We're all about economies of scale.
1: Yeah, lots of updates there, lots uh, for people to digest, not just the folks here in the audience. And if there's more to that, there's more to come here. But uh, next, Brad, we're going to give an update on the, and this falls under the Betty White category of course Betty oh, White is the sure. great mm-hmm. character actress America's sweetheart who Brad Jinxed uh on New Year's when he said that thank god she comes into 2022 with us and of course she was already um had already passed um but Brad under the celebrity update category we have an update on the Alec Baldwin situation of course Alec Baldwin the uh great actor
0: He's I believe the guy that started... shot that gal on the western set
1: right the rust the movie rust which you and I uh, can't yeah. wait for it to come out of course uh this is something that's been um sort of bandied about is whether or not alec baldwin will face charges and of course this week he had his seventh child with his third wife they've had seven kids together he's got kids from previous marriages but he just left them and uh is now started again and he's now on kid number seven but this week some bad news um Santa Fe, uh, New Mexico prosecutors are saying that they are going to be bringing charges against four individuals and that uh, the actor is, quote, unquote, a possible defendant in the uh, in the murder. Uh, and he did have to hand over his cell phone after months of trying to avoid that. Um, but uh, when the um, the D.A. is saying that uh, she is considering murder charges and that Alec Baldwin is certainly one of the um, uh, one of the uh, people uh, who was under investigation. That really doesn't bode well for uh, America's actor, Alec Baldwin, does it?
0: No. No, I would think if you're Alec, that you are a bit concerned at this point. Although, you know, having seen his earlier responses to this situation, he's probably more concerned over the loss of his cell phone than he is over the loss of life uh, that occurred on his movie set. He's yeah, you know what, buddy? He's something of a douchebag.
1: And and look like more tragedy about this whole situation. Uh, recently Alec Baldwin had to put his wife had to put up their Hamptons compound for sale, uh, because he's not working these days since he murdered that woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh 29 million dollars is what he's seeking to get for it. But uh yeah, they love that house. I mean, they would go there for the months of July and part of August, and now it's on the market, he's gonna have to sell it just because of all this. You know, pressure that's coming to bear on him, probably with civil suits and the murder charge.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, these things happen when you willy nilly shoot people because you're not paying attention. You just don't care. So, yeah, that, that um, is unfortunate. I, I I hope they get every penny of that 29 million. I mean, it should get them through a couple of months. Yeah.
1: Well, of course, the uh, state of New York is going to come for its share. I mean, they're going to have to wet their beak.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the way it works.
1: Yeah, well, that's listen. That's how that's how that's how it goes. Uh, Next, Brad, we've Mm -hmm. got another update. People may wonder why did you and I go on and on with the uh, great Aerosmith at the beginning of this uh, program? Why why did we play the uh, spin that record? uh, Don't want to miss a thing. Well, it's because we finally, Brad, have an update. You and I have been following this story about Dart and the NASA Dart program for over a year. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember the two of us watching is that it looked like a big refrigerator was launched into space to go and divert the um, the big uh, asteroid, the big asteroid that's bigger. I think it's bigger than 17 Earths stacked on top of one another or, or like yeah, a Chicago soldier right. field or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, we, were, we were talking last year about this. We were really excited about it. You and I had studied the program at length. I believe we talked to a bunch of people, including Yanadi Ganayan, I believe, was pining about that. But now, a year later, a year later, we finally have the uh, results of the big, uh, of the big uh, diversion of the massive asteroid that probably wasn't on a collision course for Earth, but that's how you want to practice. Is if you're going to nudge an asteroid, and I think this is something you gave in your analysis. If you're going to nudge it, you don't want to nudge the one that's actually on a collision course for Earth and fail. You want to just go out and nudge one that really doesn't matter to us. And then when you do nudge it, hopefully you don't nudge it into a collision course with Earth. I mean, that well, see, important.
0: that's the danger, right? I mean, if you 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 really have to weigh your options here, right? If you screw that up, then that thing is coming right for Earth, right? We got problems.
1: Yeah, because then you don't have an opportunity to launch another refrigerator into space to nudge it again, right? Because it's been a year, right? Since this thing started, this DART program, which you and I were a little bit pessimistic about at first, but now, you know, lo and behold, we are now a year later, right? We're into the fall, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And it seems from all indication that NASA did smash a refrigerator type craft into the dimorphous asteroid at 14,000 miles per hour. Hour, which is about the same speed that miles Garrett was driving his Porsche when he flipped it after practice the other day in Cleveland. And, uh, and, and so this is being monitored by the good folks at Johns Hopkins, which gave us the COVID pandemic. And Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I think it's a different group over there, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, But Mm -hmm. the, they, the the folks at the Hopkins group confirmed that there was a collision. They confirmed that the refrigerator thing smashed into the uh, dimorphous asteroid um because they saw the camera because the, they were smart right unlike some yeah. of the venera early venera um uh campaigns where they were just, the soviets remember that Brad they were just launching yeah they kept they the left the landscape on yeah yeah mm-hmm. and yeah, in this case they said that they didn't do that right somebody somebody th- oh, took cool. the landscape off so they could see deimos getting larger and larger as the refrigerator got closer and closer to making
0: impact yeah uh, i must have been you know a little bit startling to see that asteroid just looming as you approach it at the miles garrett type of speed and mm-hmm. uh, so you're telling me that the refrigerator hit the asteroid and then that that did the trick the asteroid you know kind of moved over a little bit or at least said pardon me or you know words to that effect what happened there
1: well i'm not saying that okay i'm not oh, okay. saying that i'm All saying right. it's 7 14 p.m the other night mm-hmm. um the refrigerator Eastern time, yeah, correct. Eastern okay, time. Right. Mm-hmm. The uh refrigerator smashed into the Dimorphous asteroid. And mm-hmm. got larger, they have the, they have apparently the uh, video footage. And somebody, a commentator on live stream at the Johns Hopkins COVID center said, and I quote, humanity won, asteroid zero, because they're keeping score about this stuff, right? And said mm-hmm. it was an incredible. Um, accomplishment for mankind. NASA tweeted, there's a tweet out um, that uh, NASA said it was an impact success. The refrigerator spacecraft, DART, collided with the 560 foot dimorphous asteroid around 6.7 million miles away from Earth. So that's pretty um, Mm -hmm. amazing. They believe Mm -hmm. that the impact carved out a crater and hurled streams of rocks and dirt into space. Um, uh, and the one question out there is whether it altered the asteroid's orbit. Uh, it, it, uh, it, right at this point, NASA doesn't know. Um, they'll know the results in about two months. So you know, hit me up again, the holiday time, we'll do this again. Um, mm-hmm. That's after earthbound telescopes are able to collect data on Dimorphos and its twin Didymos. Didymus so look- and Dimorphos. Yeah, those are the if, for those of you who are familiar with Greek mythology, those are the two gerbils uh, that were pets of Zeus.
0: Didyus yeah, I believe and- that's correct. Didius mm-hmm. and Demorphus, but I you know, I, you're looking for trouble there because you know how gerbils are. I mean, you take on one gerbil, you get them all. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, they are they are not to be trifled with. I mean, you can't just mess with a gerbil's family. And so you may have knocked old Demorphus over, you know, a tad whatever it was necessary, but Didymus is now not happy about that. I mean, Didymus is going to beeline right for Earth.
1: Anyway, Brad, we'll we'll keep an eye on this. Uh, literally, as this asteroid continues to hurdle in, uh, in space, 6.7 million miles away, I take it the refrigerator is probably totaled, um, but you never know. Stranger things have happened, and uh, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, next, Brad, we get another big update from the world of chess.
0: Oh, boy. Okay. I mean, yeah, chess is getting a little funky as of the last couple of weeks.
1: It is. And, 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 you know, as as you know, world number one, uh, the world chess champion was a grand meister master of chess. Magnus Carlson has lost a good Irish name. Good Irish name. He's lost a couple of matches recently to the number one player in the world. U S teen sensation, Hans Neiman. Hans Niemann. Um, And uh, the first match uh, um, was, you know, a, a shock to the world of chess And uh, the second match uh, was Magnus Carlsen just walked off. Magnus Carlsen, now world's number one chess player, uh, has now said, in no uncertain terms, he will not, um, will will never play uh, Hans Niemann again after accusations uh, floated out there that Hans Niemann was using anal chess beads brad to calculate his mm. moves in an attempt mm-hmm. to beat the world uh the world number one the world uh, grandmaster um the grand hoobah magnus carlson at chess apparently all it takes is a pair of or a set i don't know if it's a pair or a set of um anal uh, chess beads to beat the number one chess player in the world and now this has thrown the entire world of chess into chaos because the number one player in the world can't play um, the, the grandmaster champion because of the use of these anal chess beats. So then who does he play? And can the number one player in the world, world number one behind the grandmaster, can he play anyone? And if so, does he still get to use the beats? I mean, th- these are a lot of open questions.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, and my presumption is the chess media will get to the bottom of it. I, I, you know, I'm glad at this point that I don't play chess because I would not like the anal chess beat my guess is you want to lead with the Bishop because it's kind of pointy but by the time you get to the Rook or heaven forbid that little horse-shaped one buddy you really got to want to win
1: yeah and sometimes those those pieces are really ornate now in terms of what they're saying the grandmaster said that he quote, "I know that my actions have frustrated many in the chess community. I want to play chess. I like chess um, at the highest level, but I believe that cheating in chess is as big is a is a big deal, and it's an existential threat to the game. Much like you know, you hear about the existential." threat of climate change. Anal beads, Brad, is an existential threat to chess. Now, Hans Niemann, on the other hand, has come out and he has denied these allegations. And he has said, and I quote, I have never cheated in any board game in my life. If they want me to strip fully naked, I will do it. Um, So it seems to me that this is coming to a head and it could be the way to go here is to just strip Hans Neiman down and make sure that he's clean. But if he is coming out and saying on the record, he's never cheated in a board game. First of all, I don't believe him because no. everyone cheats no. at monopoly or risk uh, shoots and ladders, Brad. I mean, you played that when you were, I believe you cheated once playing me after I cheated you out of camp Kaka in, um, in, in risk, but that that's neither here nor there. It's water off a duck's back. Um, but the or question here, or liver, but the question is, does, um, do we have to strip Hans Niemann down to his skivvies to get to the bottom of this? And then is that even enough?
0: I don't want to do any of that. I, I don't want to see Hans Niemann naked, period. I, I certainly don't want to, you know, have that ruin the sort of, you know, ambiance that one generally finds around a high-level chess match. Buddy, I, I, I think our motto here just has to be choose charitable chess,
1: yeah, I mean, I think that's right. I mean, just a, a little more color on this. Uh, Hans-
0: <laughs> that's a poor choice of words. I, You know, we're talking about anal hey, B, you know what? Let's just stay away from the color.
1: We'll stay away from the color. I'll just say that it, it, it's important for people to know that the integrity of the game is intact. They are looking into this. Of course, Neiman is accused of using vibrating, remotely controlled sex beads that are placed in the anus for a... <laughs> to gain an advantage over the world number one, I'm sorry, the grand wizard Carlson uh, by getting an accomplice to buzz the device, to guide him into making better moves. And I believe we determined last time it was uh, Morse code was being used Brad via the uh, remote controlled anal beads. Uh, But the president of the game's governing body is putting together a group of quote unquote specialists who will look into the anal bead usage and will quote, eradicate cheating from FIDE events. FIDE, of course, FIDE is the organization that oversees all board game play across the globe.
0: Of course it is. I mean, who hasn't heard of FIDE? You and I both have FIDE t-shirts because we believe in the integrity of the game. We believe in the integrity of the board. I will be interested to see what this panel of anal cheating experts comes up with. Uh, but other than that, I I, I I find the whole thing very disturbing.
1: It is disturbing. But there's your update, Brad. And we'll continue to monitor this very, very closely. Finally, last week, we talked about the 60 Minutes interview with uh, President Joe Biden. Of course, uh, in that interview, he made news all over the place, including saying that he would send U.S. troops into Taiwan to defend it, uh, uh, boots on the ground, from any invasion Uh, by the uh, communist Chinese. He also said that the uh, COVID pandemic is quote unquote over. And of course this week, um, his press secretary came out, I believe Monday morning at like 4 a.m. in her press conference and said that, uh, started to walk it back and said, actually the, uh," and of course the president gave this interview at the Detroit Auto Show, a little more context. We talked about that Mm -hmm. a little bit more too. They were rolling out some really cool electric cars and uh, and the uh, the president was uh, was there. And now the press secretary, Karine Jean Pierre, um, well, I don't believe is he. I believe she's French. Um, said that uh, when the president said the COVID pandemic is over, he didn't really mean it, um, and he was quote distracted by all of the cars at the Detroit Auto Show. Um, so, again, Brad, uh, this is a situation where the president says something, and it appears that it is not the case. Um, Dr. Fauci also said that the COVID pandemic is not over. He, of course, was not involved in the car show at any uh, at any point. But uh, I guess the question is, should Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, be the one setting this policy? And if so, uh, is it dangerous to have the president in a room with so many cars when he can be easily distracted?
0: Well, that is the problem, right? But I mean, I you know, raise your hand if it hasn't happened to you. You know, you're you're talking with the media, you're the leader of you know the free nations of the world. They're asking you questions that are important not only to your constituency and the citizenship of your country, but to folks worldwide. And you know, someone tootles by in a Fiat, and you can't focus, right? And so, I mean, that, that it's happened to all of us. People should be aware of these things. Uh, If you also happen to be all of those things and suffering from dementia, it just makes it worse. Mm -hmm. Um, But these kind of questions are confusing, right? Like, you know, is the COVID pandemic over? Yes or no? I mean, those are the kinds of things that can throw you for a loop when you're surrounded by, you know, noisy automobiles, maybe Shriners driving around in the tiny cars, you know, with their fezes on that will distract you. And so i think it's reasonable and that's why you have a uh, that's why you have a a press secretary to come out and and not just sort of walk it back you know that's not really good enough in this situation just entirely contradict the president of the united states right not shade it a little bit so that you can view it from a different perspective just say hey the president's nuts and when he said the pandemic was over it's not over when he said we were sending troops into Taiwan, we're not doing that, right? So just <laughs> entirely contradicting the on-the-record statements of the president of the United States. You have this uh, young gal who just comes out and, and and does that, and you know apparently the media just goes, oh, "All right, yeah, that's cool. All right, we got it." I mean, it's just, but it's unbelievable.
1: It's not good. Uh, next, Brad, uh, we bring you uh, another update out of the great uh, Northwest. The folks in Canada. Um, and, you know, this is really a woke update, Brad. Um, the Halton District School Board has said that um, it uh, is banning and barring and uh, in any way stifling any comments about the latest woke teacher to grace the halls of the, um, the, the high school there. Um, in this case, it is a teacher, Kayla Lemieux, who is a manufacturing technology teacher at Oakville Trafalgar high school in the Halton school district. This is a trans teacher, Brad, with, um, massive, massive, um, fake breasts. And, um, it, I mean, but I mean, when I say massive, um, you've seen the pictures, what,
0: what, what say you, yeah, buddy? <laughs> I mean, I, here's what I don't get. Okay. Here's what I don't get. If, if, not long ago i mean you know two three years ago tops if you had had a high school teacher who was doing even a reasonably good job of providing educational content to high schools and you know they they were you know relatively normal and you know doing a relatively normal job leading a relatively normal life and then a day occurs Where they show up for work looking like this right you you would get them some help right like if you were the principal you would immediately usher that person into your office because your assumption would be you know my god something has gone you know horribly wrong in this person's life let's do them a solid let's not let them embarrass themselves let's get them back on their feet that is the right and proper and humane thing to do now what we do is we try to pretend like there's nothing wrong with this that this is you know perfectly reasonable and rational behavior and anyone who views it differently than that are the ones that are crazy and you can you cannot maintain that position i don't care how straight a face you keep i don't care how loudly and repeatedly you say it when you point at this person say this behavior is fine and appropriate and suitable for the workplace, you lose all credibility. And so, I, I mean, again, I, I, I actually, I don't think I've said this the last couple of weeks. I'm going to say it again. Now. Keep it up. Keep it up. If this is your view of what right should look like, you are wrong, and the best way to demonstrate that you are wrong is for you to continue to advocate for this. Because anyone looking at this would just say, yeah, this ain't right.
1: Well, it's kind of nuts, right? I mean, it only, first of all, only in Canada, but, but I, I should say that with, um, you know, a word of caution, because very likely this young man will be in the Biden uh, HHS department in short order. But the the pictures of her running the, the, um, you know, the, the miter saw with these two huge prosthetic breasts that are just like, crazy it's like something you would see in a mardi gras float um it's just insane and and all this does is flaunt this in front of uh, children who are supposed to go to school to learn and not to be given these these moral crazy moral lectures on um on gender it, it's just it's just sick it's insane you're right there's a mental health issue here too that underscores the whole thing and it's really uh, it's really too bad but Brad will leave the great white north and come back uh, to the United States, the land of the free, home of the brave, home of the sane, hopefully. And um, the good news is, Brad, you and I a couple weeks ago made uh, some jokes at the expense of the uh, Center for Disease Control as they rolled out their monkey pox guidance. You remember that? I do. I do. And we I do, I do. and we said, look, we had the little diagram, the diagrams. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. And the little the, the cartoons very helpful people,
0: all of them yeah, very yeah six
1: feet apart and don't yeah, yeah. keep your winky in your all that yeah. stuff and you know we made fun of it and, and look what we need to do is recognize sometimes we can effectuate change because everyone is out there writing down what we say including the folks at the CDC so the CDC Brad has updated their um uh their their guidance on monkeypox oh good okay. okay. So they've updated it to to alleviate some of our concerns. And and you remember there were a couple of those uh, uh, slides they talked about intercourse, they talked about pregnancy and the impact that uh, monkeypox somehow being transmitted to a woman during pregnancy could be detrimental. They have updated their guidance, Brad. They've removed the word women and they've Mm -hmm. uh, inserted the word people. Um, So you don't have to worry anymore about this Um, nasty term women being in the guidance. They have now taken that out and they have uh, put in the pregnancy guidance for the transmission of monkeypox, the term people as opposed to women. So it seems like uh, that change can come from common sense.
0: Yeah. I mean, there you go, buddy. I mean, you of all the things that you should be concerned about. If you are a licensed physician who has, you know, theoretically gone through 12 years of high school, four years of undergraduate education, four years of medical school where you are taught the functioning of the human body at a level that is hard to imagine if you have not been to medical school. Then you do a residency where you begin to apply all that knowledge. Uh, the most important thing you should be focused on is not describing a woman as a woman because that is you know obviously an offensive term. Who would call a woman a woman. The guidance
1: has been updated in other respects too, but it said basically in terms of this issue, the CDC guidance says that the symptoms in, quote, people who are pregnant are similar to non-pregnant people, but pregnant and (laughs) breast... Pregnant and breastfeeding people should be prioritized for antiviral treatments because of the potential risk to their unborn child. So there it is, Brad. Pregnant and breastfeeding people need to be prioritized uh, in terms of the treatment of monkeypox. So it seems like uh, there's progress being made, but in the wrong direction.
0: Well, that's, yeah, typically the way the CDC likes to go.
1: Well, listen, Um at least they're they're making changes to the uh, the guidelines which were kind of a joke. but uh, anyway, Brad, next uh, not to be outdone, right So we talked about the CDC. the FDA has and they too monitor this program and, and you and I are on the cutting edge of everything that's out there in terms of technology and obviously you have a meaningful, social media presence and you see all this stuff. Remember a few weeks ago Brad, you and I reported I believe in the Bard and Band segment on the Sleepy or Nyquil chicken uh, 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 challenge on uh, TikTok. Oh yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: I do. And uh, the the correlated Benadryl challenge which um you know basically involve a skillet, a raw piece of chicken, a bottle of Nyquil uh, nighttime cold and flu medication mm-hmm. and uh, moderate to high heat um, where people are cooking this chicken and then consuming it on video and then showing the uh, the results of this uh, TikTok challenge for sleepy slash NyQuil chicken.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, makes perfect sense.
1: Well, that, that was about what, four or five months ago. Now the FDA has come out and they have warned against potential um, uh, catastrophe. There's potential for, for, for a deadly result if uh, people partake in the NyQuil chicken challenge. You know, I thought about this, and obviously you and I are on the TikTok, but it's interesting to look at some of the big uh, TikTok challenges over the past year and, and update folks on where those stand. So I thought we could quickly go through some of those if you have the time. Oh, please. So you remember the milk crate challenge? The milk crate challenge is where people stack up to 50 milk crates and then get on top of them. And then try to maneuver around the milk crates. And it usually results in just a disaster or a wipeout. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's filmed and it's recorded on social media. And this has not been uh, touched on by the CDC, the FDA, the country of Canada, or that uh, the, the Trafalgar school district. But, uh, you know, this seems like one, though, that I could get behind, right? There's no ingestion of anything. Um, no, it's an engineering uh, an challenge.
0: challenge. Yeah. It's use some milk crates. You build a tower, you get up on top of that. I mean, the fact that you're very likely to fracture one or more long bones on your way down is neither here nor there. It's all about the TikTok. tock.
1: Uh, next, the watermelon mustard challenge. This is where people take a whole watermelon, slice it up and use a whole jar of French's mustard to put on the watermelon. And apparently this is a freaky uh, Frank infusion that uh, causes people to vomit. Um, and
0: perfect. Who wouldn't so, want to do that?
1: Yeah, so people are doing that. Yeah. The dry mm-hmm. scooping challenge, where um, I guess you you dry scoop um, protein powder into your mouth and ingest it so you don't have any water. You just swallow yep. uh, several sense. scoops yeah. of protein yeah. powder, and that, too, has caused people to throw up. And then, finally, Brad, the slap a teacher challenge, which oh. people have uh, entered into, similar to Fight Club, only without both people being ready to fight, where... Kids go into the classroom and slap their teacher, and then put it on uh, on the TikTok. So nice, nice, uh, nice set of um, little challenges here that maybe harken back to your days as a youth.
0: Yeah, but you and I both—you know—we grew up in the same era. I am, you know, just sort of laughing to myself, thinking about what would have happened if we had been caught in the bathroom tearing it up, or heaven forbid, if we had slapped a teacher. I mean, I, I,
1: I know if I tried to slap, her, uh, slap a teacher challenge at St. is the V, I would have got my ass handed to me by Sister oh. Rose Albert Malloy, OP. Um, finally, Brad Barter Band, the uh, award-winning segment PETA in um, Germany, it's called the German branch of PETA, uh, they have come out and they have done a study, a comprehensive study, not nearly as comprehensive as the coffee study by the uh, folks in the, um, in, the, in the UK, but close, where they've determined that, quote, men contribute significantly more to the climate crisis than women. Uh, And this is primarily done through men's meat consumption. So uh, the folks at the German branch of PETA within the German state have called for men who eat meat to be banned from having sex to help save the planet. And uh, they basically said that any men who eat meat are toxic and there should be a boycott on them being able to reproduce. Um, And again, this is all because of the, uh, the climate crisis. And they said that women should Go on a sex strike against men who eat meat to save the world, um, and they of course say that this is all a symptom of toxic masculinity. So I guess the question this week, Brad, on the barred or banned segment, is: Should we bar men who eat meat from having sex?
0: Well, we can't call them men. I mean, first we have to bar that, right? I mean, we learned that earlier in the show from the CDC. I uh, where do you where does the German branch of PETA get off? labeling a man using a word like man that that a has to be banned and then i believe if they are referring to women going on a sex strike you, you can't call them women either what is wrong with these people are they not paying attention you you can't use words like that you can't mm-hmm. use the word man to describe a man and you cannot use the word woman To describe a woman so i i mean their their whole approach is just bankrupt right so you have to bear that in mind to begin with and then buddy i i know that you recall because again we went to school in the same era when you were in the fifth grade you were told by the time you were 25 years old the world was just going to be a barren wasteland because you know of all the challenges to the climate there wasn't going to be any clean water there wasn't going to be, you know, any food. We were all going to be living underground because we weren't going to be able to breathe the air. And now both you and I are comfortably into our sixth decade, and I'm looking out the window. It is gorgeous out today, right? And so, the problem I think overall is that there are too many people on the planet that are underassigned, right? That just don't have enough to do. Like, why are we tolerating? People who, who their only contribution to the planet is to suggest that prior to some sort of sexual escapade, you ask the person, right? Because we're not going to, we're not going to, we're not, we're, we're not barbarians here. We're not going to use words like man and woman. We're just going to use words like people. You ask the person across from you, hey, do you eat meat? And, and if so, you know, you're out of there. You're, you're no longer interested, right? The problem is that there are people who have nothing better to do than come up with ridiculousness like that. So I would, I would it's not my place, right? It's not, it's not our place, buddy, not here on IP Frequently, to determine who should have sex with whom, right? We, we, that's not, not our business. But I would bar and or ban the existence of people who have nothing better to do then come up with cockamamie schemes like this one.
1: Yeah, this may be a good instance where we uh, shoo the bar and band, just talk about beat, beating people beat, yes. who we have the right time to, to, to come beat. up with this crazy, right. toxic masculinity thing. What they should really do, Brad, is sit down with a nice cup of joe, maybe three or four pieces of seared foie gras, mm-hmm. and uh, shut their pile. Yes, maybe and if you want to take foie, some
0: NyQuil, go for it.
1: Yeah, some NyQuil chicken, it'll calm you right down. And then if that doesn't work and you still- want to uh, engage in this toxic masculinity talk and tying it back to bratwurst, then there's the blackout challenge, Brad.
0: The blackout there you go. Or you could eat that super spicy chip. Shut yourself right up. Yeah, and then
1: it's lights out.
0: It's lights out. Buddy, you and I need to go and enjoy some foie gras. I'm very hungry for it at this point, having now found out that it is made out of a duck's liver. I don't know where I've been that I haven't eaten more of a duck's liver. We've also got some toxic masculinity issues to address. And we'll get all of that handled before we come back next week, right here on IP Frequently. This has been IP Frequently. Once again, clearing a forest of lies with the machete of truth. You're welcome.